Let me ask you something, Rocky. Man to man. I think she's the podcast of the century. Rocky? <laughs> that's what that's how it's written. He calls Fair her enough. Rocky. Okay. My Douglas is not very good. That's no, one of the worst ones. That it wasn't really. I didn't even know you were doing him. Really, I kind of. I guess you just do a lock. Jo- no, but it, now I'm sounding like he's a, got a very specific voice, and you're not does. doing it. I'm not I can't doing do it either. It. I can't do it either. Um, it's a bit greasy. It's it is Every, greasy. Everything about that it is greasy. Thing. We, what a, we've talked about what a run he's having at this yeah, point. Unbelievable. In his career. My we God. talked about in a previous episode how incredible it was that he became such a major movie star just being a piece of shit. Fuck like that was his yeah. whole Fuck. brand was just is, like what a piece of shit this guy he is. He loves to grit his teeth though. It is yeah. a lot of like yeah. Um, yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. I can't do it though. No. Yeah, whatever. Anyway. Uh hello everybody. My name is Griffin Newman. I'm David Sims. Uh this is a blank check with Griffin and David. No, we love it when guests talk before they're introduced. You have a point you're burning to make, clearly. Please. I was just going to introduce myself, but I didn't wait, so go ahead. No, 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 no. It's totally fine. Uh, you're, you're killing it so far. This is what we like. Uh, it's perfect. Uh, this podcast is called Blank Check with Griffin and David. Mm. Uh, on it, we talk about filmographies, directors who had massive success early on in their career and were issued a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. And sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they bounce, baby. And this is a miniseries on the films of Paul Verhoeven True. in Hollywood. True. This is sort of the midpoint. Yeah. Right? Uh, up until now, all hits. Mm-hmm. This continues Including the streak. This, right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, miniseries is called Podship Casters. Mm-hmm. And today we're talking about the movie Basic Instinct. Yep. And our guest today. All right. I'm Miriam Vale. Hell yeah. That's right. Hell yeah, it is. Guests should introduce themselves all the time. Yeah, it's an We're terrible at introducing them. We're like, oh, One they're the a great yeah. person, yeah. and uh, uh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the thoughts their brain make. Uh, we're very bad at introductions. Um, I feel like I'm caught that I haven't listened to the podcast enough. Totally to fine. Know the uh, fine. I'm so Get sorry. ready for Actually, a lot of bullshit. And we'll, we'll play some for you. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. okay, let's get back to uh, it. And we're back. Uh, it's been Miriam 50 hours. Listened to <laughs> the entire back catalog, and she is not amused. Yeah, no, she she left. Yeah, she asked She's if we could here. reschedule. Yeah, right. We weren't lying. This is a no bits podcast. <laughs> no bits. Um, Miriam, you're, you're a very big Verhoeven fan. Uh, yeah, but um, uh, yeah, I, I've, I was sort of late to him. I didn't mm-hmm. really become a big fan until... I saw this movie like okay. seven years ago or so. I think before that I'd seen Starship Troopers, which I really, really liked. Mm-hmm. And I'd seen um, uh, um, Showgirls. Showgirls, which right. I was not as enthusiastic as some of my friends uh-huh. about. Right. And then um, I saw this and then I like his more recent. Oh, no, I saw actually I saw the World War Two movie somewhere Black around. Book. Like, Black Book. Yeah. Right. Book yeah. right. Yeah. Because that's about 10 years old at this point. Yeah. Let me be 11 years old. Yeah. Yeah, Around there too. And then, um, but I love his, L, his most recent, Mm -hmm. I really totally loved. And I love Basic Instinct. I think it's like such a masterpiece. They're, they're probably the most twinned, right? Like if L had a sister in his Hollywood uh, genres. 100%. uh, In the same way that like RoboCop and Starship Troopers are twinned, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, They're, yes, they're definitely paired films. Um, although this is more of like a, 
out and out genre exercise. Like this is such a noir movie. For sure. Well, I think Elle is too. I have, Ooh. I was watching Ooh, them again. And yeah. well, for me that his, um, something I noticed while I was watching Elle is how much like it reminded me of the Oshima movie, Max Mon Amour. I have never seen it. I, I know it, but I've never seen it. It is so good. And it's just follows the basic structure of this like, French. The one with the monkey, right? Exactly. Yes. It's like a French bourgeois um, adultery drama, except it's about Charlotte Rampling having an affair with a chimpanzee. Right, right, right. So, great, an ape, I should say. Not great a monkey. Chimpanzees yeah. are apes. Sure. So sorry. <laughs> and so it's um, so it's sort of this weird parody of that kind of genre of that yeah. like adultery. And I feel the same about like the 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 music in the beginning, the mm. certain classical music, the broken china, her house. Mm-hmm. I feel like L is a really like w- like what Verhoeven did for American movies with like Robocop and with Noir with this. He He's did for French. French. I've made yeah. the same point on a previous episode. I believe you have. Yes, um, yes. I, I agree one hundred percent. I because I I saw L with my mother who is French. And is not a huge Verhoeven fan, but knows how much I love him. And she couldn't stop getting over how well he got not just French culture, but French movies. Yeah. How well he was aping and sort of deconstructing the French erotic thriller. And I was like, yeah, that's what I've been telling you forever. This guy's an outsider who knows it better than the insiders. Sure. And it was really interesting, his that outsider looking at the culture in, yeah. in this, because I, I hadn't seen RoboCop in Total Recall until just this week. I, oh, really? So I, awesome. Yeah. Even though, I mean, so I say I'm a fan, but I hadn't yeah. caught up on them. And, um, and, uh, and that was really interesting to see his like use of television, mm-hmm. which is more like overt parody, yeah. especially in RoboCop. And, um, and then, uh, and then here it's so much more subtle. Like the TV is in the background, but yes. it's, it's totally an essential part of it. It's mm. really, it's interesting how it, how it's related to those two. Yeah. This right. is definitely, more uh, subtle in its satire than RoboCop and Total Recall, which are arguably as much comedies as they are action films and sci-fi films, you know? Yeah, well, I would say subtle. I mean, it's not so subtle in its noir parody, but also there's the weird, like, um, cowboy bar thing. That's when he's like, oh, America is so funny. Yes. I'm from the Bay Area. I have not seen a lot of cowboy bars. I was going to say, that character, uh, George, uh, (laughs) uh, Zunza. I forget how you say his name, which I feel bad because I love him. There's that amazing thing watching this movie. But it's like, it's like he lives in Alabama. Like he like gets in his car every night, you know, from the Bay Area. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go home. Goes home to his ranch. Drives to Tuscaloosa. Like (laughs) who is he supposed to be? I know there are like, you know, there's like salt of the earth Irish guys in the Bay right. Area too. Sure, it, it almost Polish feels guys, you know, like an still. earlier draft of this movie took place in a different town, yeah, and then maybe. they rewrote it and kept know. him in Montana. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I mean, well, anyway, but I, I just think we're, if he's making this noir parody, you need to have those guys. You need to have those guys with like the snap brim yes. hats. He doesn't have a hat. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the sort of rotund suspenders guys who are like, "What, what are you doing?" But you know, it's broad. She's no good. You know, there is that thing I love in this movie because because this is so much the iconic Sharon Stone movie. You forget that she wasn't a huge star before this movie. So Michael Douglas is the only one above the title in the opening credits. So it goes like Douglas, then Basic Instinct, then Stone. And you're like, wow, Stone didn't even like crack above the title. And then 
Dezunza. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's like Stone and Dezunza are vaguely on equal playing field at this Dunza. point. I think it's just Dunza? like Dunza. Yeah. Because he's, it's a, I'm assuming it's a Polish name. Uh, uh, probably, yeah. Or Ukrainian, maybe. Uh, anyway, I don't he's know. so good in this. He's really he's good. In this. Awesome in this. Yes. I, he's my favorite character, probably. Yeah. I love him. Yeah, I mean, he's movie. he's You're definitely meant to, though. Yeah. He's meant to be everyone's favorite character. Absolutely, like, unquestionably the most yeah. empathetic character. In the, like he's kind of the only person in this movie who isn't a psychopath, right? That's R- true. Yeah. Right. He's a much more predictable, reliable kind right. of person. He's just a guy. Yes, he's yes. got his simple vices in life. He loves this cowboy bar. <laughs> Just let him do Let's just thing. talk about Gus, I Detective Gus. When he gets to that, yeah, we're just going to spend the whole episode talking about the uh-huh. scene at the cowboy bar. But I like that when he gets to the bar, he's almost pissed off that Douglas is like intruding on the one thing that gives him joy. Mm. Like he's just here drunk, wearing a big 10 gallon hat, and he's Douglas has to come in with his, like, I slept with her. And it's like, yeah, with his like 80s shit. Yeah. He's like basically covered in cocaine. Right. He's like, eh, what's going yeah. on? He's like, I have my nice B plot. Although here. then he just starts, let me be. Then he starts screaming about, like pussy in a diner or whatever, right? Like that's yeah. when Michael Douglas is like, all right, chill out. Yeah, wait, wait a second. Come on, yeah. Yes. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll get to all that. Uh, this, this is an Esther House movie. Uh, uh-huh. This is the first of the two Esther House collaborations and it definitely shows in the verbiage chosen in almost every single line of sure. dialogue. Sure, yeah. I mean, he had been around for a while. Yes. Because uh, he, he wrote Fist. Yeah. He wrote Flashdance. Right. What else? Oh, Jagged Edge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hearts of Fire. Sorry, sorry. Talk more. That's okay. What's an example of Esther of Esther Hessian language? Uh, uh, Magna cum pussy. <laughs> and I'd say I'd say that's kind of like that's what they'll put on his tombstone. That's a pretty good. Uh, he one. was the Magna cum laude. Well, I mean, in showgirls of screenwriters. Showgirls is where he challenged himself to make every line one of those lines, right? Yes. Where yeah, I mean, it's, you know. Um, but but even just that opening bit when they find the dead body and. They they say like so he got off before he got off. Yeah, no, I was about to say that. Yeah, there come stains all over the seat. Very impressive. And then Gus like sort of like like yeah. almost runs into me. He got off before he got off. Right. You know, it's like what? They're not going to say that. Sorry, I'm right. really blowing up the mics. But like after this discussion of just like how much cum there was <laughs> and and the moment of the guy putting on the night not vision only how goggles, much cum there was a slow pan across yeah. the the stains yeah. with uh you know a corpse's penis and shot. I mean like yeah. Verhoeven's not really fucking around at like, all. Uh, it's a f- summer release, isn't it? Maybe not. Uh, uh, March. March. Okay. okay. Right. But yeah, that's that's how this movie opens: is full tilt, like Verhoeven sex. This like very bizarre sex scene that becomes like mm-hmm. I feel like ten years of shitty stand-ups doing jokes about like uh, you know uh, real sex isn't the way they make a sex look in the movies. You know, in the movies, it's always like sure. it's a bit of a red shoe diaries. Definitely. Of, uh, right. Um, no, let him finish his act. <laughs> Uh, I was I was going to see where it was going. Ben's here. Uh, producer Ben's here. The Ben producer's here. The <clears throat> producer Ben is here. The poet laureate. The Haas. Mr. Positive. Mr. Hositive. The tiebreaker. You know, they, Benny, they make sex like Benny, look like Benny, uh, uh, the peeper. You know, uh, like uh, it's only had between attractive people in the movies. Uh, you can wish him uh, You should see fennel. some of my ex-girlfriends. Uh, <laughs> uh, he has graduated certain tolls over I'm the course of the just working out my tight five, David. Hilo Ben, producer mm-hmm. Ben Kenobi. What do you think? Uh, ben Night Shyamalan. When he does this, I look at my emails. No, I know. I'm talking to you, though. I'm talking over War it. Has so a that's a new, that's a new thing. Ben 19, cool. the Fennel Maker. Right? Are you into Sorry that? Sorry about that, Miriam. <laughs> yep. We got some stuff we got to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> it, though, right? We're yeah, done. That's it. Okay. Um, 
But also I'll say in that scene, that um, that opening scene, Gus has the great line that makes him so sympathetic about the, he notices the Picasso. So he's slightly yes. cultured. Yes. And he's yes. like, but hers is bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, he's got so many. Uh, yeah. There's also the line about the civic minded, responsible cocaine. Yes. Uh, which I think is very right. funny. Well, These yeah, are so all Esther House. We have this like. very ecstatic, over the top sex scene that's very similar to how Verhoeven depicts violence, which is like impressionistically, like having people behave in a way that isn't realistic to show what sex feels like rather than how sex looks. Sure. Um, I, I do like, think you see the warning signs of his sex in Showgirls in this movie, yes. where it's like, it's so exaggerated and athletic, you know, and thing. like leaning towards like totally unerotic, which is where he then right. like know, tips o- over to overly aggressive and also like looks physically painful. Like right. bodies aren't it, supposed it, to bend in that direction. It just sort of looks, yeah, it looks yeah. like a workout. You know what I it mean? It looks like yeah. a workout. It looks, it looks like a real, it looks exhausting. Let's just put well, it also that way. in the, in the opening scene, we're not seeing her face. Right. So we can be sort of like in the dark as to whether it's her or not. Yes. And I find that somewhat distracting where I keep being like, right, no, yeah. Okay. Still. There's still a bit like of a cousin it sort of thing going on. Yeah. Right. yeah. Cousin it. That's well. Um, and then of course she produces an ice pick and, and stabs him thoroughly. Through the face. Yes. Did you watch it on Netflix? Because they have the unrated cut on Netflix, and it's got this uh, this horrifying like stab in the face. Like, oh no! I watched the Blu-ray. I don't know if the Blu-ray there. probably has I it think too. The Blu-ray at so. this yes. point is the unrated. They, they had yeah. to edit out some of the like harshest stabs for do, the R rating. Do you know what's the crazy stat I read? Which is, I I cannot even begin to process. Uh, he has only had one movie that wasn't originally rated X out of his Hollywood films. There's only one film that he didn't have to go back and right, cut stuff and, out of, and it was Hollow Man. Right, which, honestly. <laughs> yeah, which is insane. Should probably be rated right. NC-17. But all the other ones were originally rated NC-17, and then most right. of them now, the NC-17 version has become the circulated version. Right. Um, only one of them was released NC-17. Correct. Which one? Showgirls. Uh, Showgirls. Oh, right. okay. Which was sort of try. They tried to be like, you know what? All right, fine. We're gonna yeah. We're gonna see if that works. Like, oh, so hot, you know? Right. Sensors. But now it's like it's harder to find the theatrical version of RoboCop or Basic Instinct. Right. Um. Uh. So. Uh. Right. Very very graphic. Uh. Ice pick. <laughs> A very very specific weapon. This movie treats ice picks like they're house keys. Like there's sure. something that everyone he says you can get it at a Kmart or whatever for a buck ninety five. Yeah, but also when's the last time you went over someone's place and they took out a giant block of ice <laughs> and picked at it rather than just getting a fucking ninety nine cent ice cube tray? Maybe new the cocktail mixologist. Yeah. Maybe maybe they do it. You can like, remake it. Right now it's a heightened oh, artisanal. You could thing. do like a cocktail yeah. basic instinct crossover, like yes. mashup. <laughs> yes. About but, an ice pick murder. But you would have to do that. If you made this movie today, you would have to justify like, oh, he's really into artisanal cocktails. Like you'd have to have like rhubarb in his, <laughs> on his shelf, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, he works at the cowboy bar. He does like, yes, uh, he right. does sex on the beaches over right, there. Right, it's an whatever. ironic cowboy bar. Right. You know, speaking of bars, yeah. David, mm-hmm. let's say hypothetically. Man walks into a bar. No, no, no. Sorry. I'm not a hack, okay? Yeah, no street right. jokes on this podcast. All okay. homegrown bits. Mm. Let's say hypothetically. Yeah. I got a friend. Okay, a hypothetical friend. And that friend was cast to play 
a superhero based on an underground cult comic book, which was then turned into an animated Fox Kids show. Yeah, Mothman. Muff short, a short-lived. No, I get it. Sitcom in the early two thousands, yeah, right? You're talking about Griffey Nooms. No, it's a hypothetical okay. friend of mine. Sure. Okay. And the character was historically a little more rotund. Uh huh. And then the pilot came out, and people were like, "Oh, why isn't this guy fat?" Yeah, you're you're a skinny guy. I'm talking hypothetically about friend. Yeah. What's your hypothetical question? And then that person gained like eight or nine pounds and was like, oh, this is going to be great. All the friends are going to like thank me for like gaining weight to look like the character. I'm like the Robert De Niro of uh, uh, superhero satires. Hypothetically, my friend said this and then no one said anything good. And then he just felt really tired. And so when hypothetically the show got picked up for a second season, he was like, fuck that extra weight. I should just be in good shape. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do you have I- a question? What would be, like, a good way... To get in shape. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, you know, cut down on the snacking to eat right. You eat garbage. I I usually eat garbage. I don't mean to, you know, tag you here, but you don't eat good. They call me Billy Goat Griff because I usually eat out of garbage can. Uh, Would you rather eat, like, like, a whole food bar made with whole ingredients that, like, is upfront with the customer about, like everything that goes into it? Yeah, because here's the thing. If I'm going to eat garbage, I want to know it's garbage, right? Sure. But then a lot of these protein bars, they pretend that they're healthy. Right, but they're just like, it's just like you're eating a Reese's it's peanut butter. It's the same junk. Yeah. Wake up, sheeple. Yeah. Okay, our, our sponsor this week, RX Bar. Yeah, I mean, you're asking the question, but you love these things. You should be pitching me. They sent me a box. Yeah. I've been eating these things up like crazy. Yeah. I, I have fun eating them. I'm sitting on my couch in my apartment Afraid to leave, haven't seen air in 36 hours because I have severe anxiety and the winter is bad for me. Yeah. And I'm eating these bars and I'm going. (laughs) He's got a smile on his face. That's because he's eating protein bars that aren't filled with like preservatives and artificial ingredients. They got core ingredients that do the talking. I mean, and, and if I had to do the math, I'd say. I don't know, simply like eating three egg whites, two dates, and six almonds with no BS. I think that's on the label, right? Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing. Egg white protein, good source of protein, easy for your body to absorb. Right. Not bad for you. Doesn't make you feel like garbage. I notably hate eggs. Sure, you do. Avoid them. I find them disgusting. But you like these bars. Because they're mixed in. I don't have to look at an egg. It binds the bar together. And I go to the doctor and he goes, "Mm, your blood works weird. It feels like you don't eat eggs at all. And I'm like, yeah, get that away from me. I eat these bars. I'm coming in. He's going, best blood I've ever seen. Great. And, and here's the thing I was surprised by. A sure. bit of a Shyamalan twist. Okay. Turns out real food ingredients actually taste really good. Like rather than just uh, artificial flavor. Yeah, you can taste the cacao. Ooh. The real fruit, the spices, like sea salt. So they got like a chocolatey flavor? They got like six chocolatey flavors. I'm they got like you, a berry flavor? They're lousy with it. Yeah, and they got savory, they got sweet, they, they got, got peanut salty. butter. They got all these things. I mean them a lot. Here's something else I know about RX bars. Yeah. They're gluten-free. Mm-hmm. They're soy free. They're dairy free. But why does that concern you? They have no added sugar. Why does that concern you? Oh, uh, well, the person I, I love is gluten free. Humble brand. So uh, she's actually been eating the RX bars. She likes them. Really? I've, I've been eating the RX bars. So I, know, yeah. I should start a little club. Yeah. And they're great for breakfast on the go. Right. They're great for snacks at the office. They're You take them on the plane. Great if you're trying to lose eight pounds for season two of The Tick. You, uh, just like uh, for before a workout or after a workout, right. if you need an energy boost, you need a snack. You know, Seasonal affective disorder yeah. makes you too scared to leave home, but you also don't want to call anyone for delivery because even that level of interaction is scary. Just pick out an RX bar. What was your favorite kind of bar? 
I mean, look, let me say this. I'm a peanut butter boy. Oh. So you, right. give me, you give me chocolate peanut butter, and I'm, I'm thrilled. All right. Well, our listeners uh, can get 25% off their first order. And that's a good chunk. Yeah. So for 25% off your first order, you visit rxbar.com mm-hmm. slash check. Mm-hmm. The promo code is check. Check to make get sure you type 25% off. This isn't no 10%. This isn't like a free song. It's 25% off these things. Yeah. They're great. And some of these other podcasts, they're offering you deals. Oh, type in our promo code. It will cost an extra 50%. We're not doing that. <laughs> we, we insist on 25% off this RX bar. We're giving you a full quarter off. What, 25 cents? No, a quarter of the price, dummy. So, for 25% off? Yeah. RxBar.com slash check. Enjoy. Lose those seven pounds for season two. Very relatable. Everyone can relate to that. So, bloody murder, and then immediately who they call in, the, the greasiest cop in San Francisco. <laughs> Michael Douglas. Yeah, fresh off like shooting someone while high on coke. Yes, right. <laughs> or like shooting two people or something. Yes, and the He's the worst person in the world. Right, right. In in a shootout where he was undercover in a drug bust where he got too deep and became addicted to cocaine himself, he shot two tourists and another cop and did not shoot the people he was supposed to shoot. Like, what was he shooting at? Right. Then his wife committed suicide. They assigned him a therapist to work through his issues, and he started a torrid sexual relationship with the therapist. He he also bought a nice leather couch and put it in his uh, crappy apartment. The most depressing apartment (laughs) I have ever seen, and I've lived in some depressing apartments. Uh, So he's not doing well, but the movie uh, doesn't care because he's Michael Douglas, and that's his brand. Sure. I feel like when you see him with a V-neck sweater, I was going to bring up that sweater. Oh my god! god. Look, (laughs) such a look. Yeah. Only that's like to me that that is yeah. the, that if you need a snapshot of Michael Douglas, that's yes. it. Yes, it's a a deep green V, uh-huh. like a but a deep V, and I feel like the sleeves are rolled up. Maybe I can't remember. Yeah, now I yeah, and and the V is kind of pulled down. It's a you're right. It's it's a stretched V. I mean, the clothes in this movie are very thought through. Like yes. I would say it in general. Yeah, uh, I want to find it. Here it is. I found it. Ha <laughs> ha. Yes, the sleeves. I was right about the sleeves. They're pulled up. Oh, yeah. Yes. To a bar you wear this. Yeah. Like, what? This is your choice? Oh, my yes. God. That's picture of to him a- dancing to, like, techno music yeah. with and this ev- rolled up. Everyone else, all the women are dressed in this, like, very expensive looking, you know, sort of like club clothing. And he's like, uh, it's like a what should I wear, the J. Crew? Right. <laughs> but the bar looks like a converted church that's now decked out with neon. Yeah, right. It's like a step away from, like, the Matrix or right. whatever. Everyone right. else looks like they're in Zion. And right. Michael Douglas <laughs> comes in as, like... He really, he really makes it work, though. I mean, look yeah. at him. How, what's your opinion on uh, Michael, uh, Miriam? Well, um, I think he's just the worst, and he's so good at being the worst. Yeah. And he's he always the same, like this and Fatal Attraction, mm-hmm. and he's he's so he's so good at just being awful. But I was also obviously in this movie. He's like he brings up he quotes his dad a lot because it's like a fifties yes. noir, yes. and so you're yes, always yes. aware of Kirk Douglas, and you're always aware that this is a noir, but this is like this sleazy noir that's just yeah. like somehow related, but fucked up and gross. There's yeah, this, right. Yeah, it's like a yeah. coked up noir, I guess. Yeah. I don't, yeah. There's this quote I remember. It's a noir who that then accidentally shot a couple of people right. and moved to a crappy <laughs> right. apartment. Right. Uh, there's this quote I always remember about Adrian Lyne going to like a test screening of uh, a fatal attraction and being frustrated at how much the audience was still on Michael Douglas's side. Right, right. 
where he was like, Jesus Christ, like they just saw you sleeping with another woman and they're still rooting for you. Uh, and he just had this thing where he owned being a piece of shit so hard, but somehow like even if he wasn't sympathetic, he was compelling. But it, so I want to talk about him for a second. Yeah. Actually. So because, you know, his early career, he was on this show, The Streets of San Francisco, right. and that he was like the young, handsome cop guy. And then he's in movies and like, I like him in the China syndrome where he's like the nice cameraman who's just like along for the show. Like he's not trying to dominate that movie but at all. But you're missing a big step. But go ahead. The Kirk well, Douglas he, he, shadow he, loomed really, really large right. over him. He had a hard time making it. And then he got Streets of San Francisco, but it was right. like, that's a TV guy. Yeah, TV right. guys don't cross over into movies. He got really into producing. Yeah, he produced the, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Which was right? meant to be a vehicle for him. Right. Oh, I didn't he know. kept on buying rights to things to try to make vehicles for himself. And everyone was like, we're not going to cast you. You're a fucking TV actor. Get Nicholson in here. Right. right so he right. wins an Oscar for producing One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but is like Starts frustrated that he wasn't stuff. in it. Right. I think China Syndrome he also produced or bought the rights to. Uh, yeah, he produced it. Right. Uh, he and, had to like fight his way into being and the third And he produced Romancing the Stone, which right. is his big lead breakup, but he, yeah. which in which he's kind of like. Indiana Jones, if Indiana Jones right. was like a little more of a piece of shit. Indiana yeah. Jones is kind of a piece of shit. But he has that 10-year run where he makes himself a movie star through becoming a good producer first. But then and this he's working his way into his own project. This run is what I want to talk about. Is like you got Fatal Attraction and Wall Street in 87, which is like back-to-back shit. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. wins Best Actor. Um, yeah, Black Rain in 89, the um, Ridley yeah. Scott movie. Uh, the Wars, War of the Roses, which is a, a bleak uh, right. Great. It's a great yeah. movie, but uh, oof. yeah. Uh, and then uh, Basic Instinct, and in '93 he has Falling Down, and in '94 he has Disclosure, which is sort of like Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct was so bad, you know what right. I mean? Like a sex thriller with absolutely no intelligence so is whatsoever. This the end of his run. Sort this of? is sort. I feel like yeah, like this is of, the of last the good run. part of his oh, run, like, right? And then like Disclosure is where he's like trying it one more time, and it's like no, forget it. Because then in '95 he makes The American President, which is him like. Playing a really like sure. upstanding guy for right. once, like, and then it then it sort of becomes like warmed over cop thrillers. It becomes like don't say a word and like. Well, no, but he's in the game, which I love. Oh, him. Oh, right. I think that's a great movie. And he's really good in that. Uh, oh, I think right. that movie's a lot of fun. But but you know that what? movie's like, what if you just fucked with that guy? Right. And at that, by that point, he's kind of broken. Like that movie is like the sad shell of Michael Douglas. Well, yeah, and then he's in a Perfect Murder. You know that terrible yeah. uh, Dial in for Murder remake. Yes. Uh, and then Wonder. Boys, you know, and then right, then he's right. becoming like uh, Daddy Douglas, you know, yeah, right. traffic, right? Uh, those sorts of you know, gray haired Douglas. That's a big shift right. for him. Yeah, and now he's become more of a, a character actor. Well, he married Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah. He got cancer, and everyone fell in love with him all over again. He's had a wild yeah. ride. It's crazy. But he started now. Spending, he's like, in uh, he's yes. an Ant Man. You know, yeah, yeah. But also, uh, fucking um, uh, Liberace. Uh, behind the candelabra, oh, yeah, which he's right. so oh, fucking yeah. good at. That's a good performance. That's a really, really great performance. Soderbergh gets great performances out of it. And people. Soderbergh, like in 2000, when they were working on Traffic, was like, Have you ever thought about playing Liberace? And it took him like 15 years to get that movie made. Huh. Yeah. And it had to be for HBO. It had to be yeah. for HBO. Yeah. And Douglas had like cancer remission, cancer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they kept on pushing it off because that was like the big role for him. But other than that, he's mostly been playing supporting stuff now. Yep. He's elder statesman and but, and stuff. But this is, as you were saying, like this is like shit, yes. shit heel, you yeah. know, kind of charming, sweater wearing asshole Michael Douglas. But he's also so creepy in this. Like something he's, like he's, he's 
terrible. Like it's you look at you look at Fatal Attraction where it's like, oh, he's sleazy, but he's like charming. That's the key to the well, whole right. movie. Like Fatal Attraction is like, what if you cheated on your wife? What if bad right. stuff happened? This one's right. like, what if you had shot a couple of people right. and you were in a coke spiral right. and then you decide to sleep with maybe a serial murderer? Like every time he's on screen, I just want to take out a garden hose and just like <laughs> pin him against the wall and just fucking hose him down and be like, get your shit together. Is he even good at his job? Oh, he's pretty terrible. He's the worst at his he's job. Like pretty bad, this right? If you called bad cop. <laughs> Like it's a incredibly. lot of people get murdered. A lot, yeah. yeah. If he made up in sleeping with the yeah, on fucking <laughs> suspects and with his yeah. his psychiatrist. Yeah, psychiatrist, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised he doesn't like make a move on George Zunza. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's like that scene where like Gus starts freaking out in the bar and like saying pussy a bunch. It's like I almost view that as like a manic breakdown because he's like, who the fuck are you? You have to stop doing this. Stop sleeping with everyone. He also has the exact same seduction technique in every scene, which is just clenched jaw, mm. unbroken eye contact, very slowly walking towards them. <laughs> sure. Like, it's just a very deliberate shark in the water until he gets up next to them, and then he's just like... <sighs> I think that the key to his appeal is that he's kind of dumb. Mm. And, like, yeah. he's, in all of these roles, there's something a little bit kind of charming or helpless about someone who's that dumb like even right. his yeah. like the the fuck of the century line like he's like I thought she was the fuck of the century what did you think right, right. <laughs> there's something what? really like, what, what do you think yeah, he is yeah. dumb enough that to walk out of very wild sex with Sharon Stone naked walk yeah. into the bathroom Roxy walks in he just sort of reacts like Oh hey, what's up? You know, like not like right. What is this? What 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 is this? You're watching like what? What's this whole situation? Also, when you get to the later scene, a little bit later with Sharon Stone, when he's like, I mean, that was the greatest of all time, right? And she was like, fucking idiot. It was fine. Sex, whatever. It was on top of you. Like like, what? This blows your mind. (laughs) That's true. That scene is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, she's really good in that scene. <laughs> she's so for just being like yeah. kind of clueless. Yeah, it was he a is. start. He, yeah. Uh, but so Sharon Stone, we should say, you know, yeah. she's in Total Recall, which I think she's so good in. Yeah, I mean, that's really that. such a funny like like version of this like sort yeah. of proto version of this performance uh where she's giving like her character is giving such a great performance. Yeah. Um, but like apart from that, she was a nobody. She was pretty much unknown. And yeah. Douglas signs on to this and says the only way the movie is going to work is if we have someone of equal stature playing Catherine Trammell. Right. He fought really hard to get an A-lister. He was really keen on Julia Roberts playing this part, which would have been a nightmare. Probably would have been really bad. That's like hook era Julia yeah. Roberts. Like, And I like Julia Roberts, but I also think this role cannot be played by someone who comes to the screen with any baggage Imagine prior to Julia this movie. Julia Roberts in this movie. Yeah. But she was never going to do no, it. No, every every actress turns it down. She had made Sleeping with the Enemy the year before, which is sort of like a kind of bad watchable version of... Sure. Like, it's a... Whatever. It's like a sort of R-rated thriller, I guess. Uh, every uh, established actress they offer it to turns it down point blank. Yeah. Just goes, I don't want to do this nudity. I don't want to play this right, character. Right, right. You know, any of this. Any of this. Um, so Verhoeven, who had worked with Sharon Stone, goes, I think I know who it is. And Douglas was like, I'm not, she's a nobody, you can't cast her, she's not going to be able to hold the screen against me. And had to do, like, vigorous screen testing to finally get him to sign off on her. Right. And it's insane to think, like, this movie wouldn't exist if it wasn't her. No way. It wouldn't work. No. She's it, w- like, it would be right. shitty. Yeah. 
And even watching it, it would now, be about like an asshole cop. Like yeah. that's it. It would just yeah. sort of be like a weird, yeah. Right. She was like Sharon Stone exists to be able to play this one role in this movie. Not that she hasn't given other good performances, but like this is why she was put on this earth. She's really good though. Whenever really I've seen her in goodness. anything, she's yeah. really good. And then she's also like has that same echo of like he echoes his father in this sort of inadequate way and then but she I was thinking recently I don't know you guys probably haven't seen the new movie that's about Gloria Graham have you Uh, no but uh, I mean I'm excited that uh, what's it called Um, Film Stars stars Don't Die in Liverpool it's it's okay but somehow Annette Bening gets the doesn't quite get the Gloria Graham thing they say that oh she plays she always plays the tart and it's more like she's doing like a a Marilyn Monroe or something. Sure. She gives this kind of little kind girl of breathy sure. kind of thing. And it's like the whole movie can kind of only conceive if the tardy blonde is like this Marilyn Monroe. And I was like, that's wrong. What was yeah. it that Gloria Graham was doing? And there's something. Gloria Graham was kind of dirty. She's like, kind of dirty. Yeah. And she's yeah. kind of knowing. And there's kind of, something yeah, right, kind of scratchy right. about her voice, not just girly. Like and yeah. and the, I feel like this is mm-hmm. something Sharon Stone really gets to. She might have been good. I mean. Yeah. I saw she's in the disaster artist. You know, she has that one she's scene, really good which that is one a really scene. funny yeah. scene. Yeah. I was and angry that, that she wasn't in the rest right. of the movie. Anytime I yeah. see her, I'm like, oh, I'd love, you know, I'd love a stone comeback. Yeah. She makes like tons of movies, but they're all like, uh, like direct to video type things. Like, she's, you know. she's, I mean, a good actress. And she also is one of those people who is fluent in camp when she needs to be. And I think sure. she, it, it ended up hurting her reputation because sometimes people thought she went too big and thought she couldn't control it, that she didn't know what she's doing. But anytime she's big in a movie, I think it's very cannily done. I mean, she's very yeah. aware and she's playing yeah. to the size of the film. It's interesting that Basic Instinct 2 literally killed her career. Now, yeah. if you're looking at her resume, like that's but sort of the last already, big movie she was in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess yeah. that was her being like, well, I guess it's time to make this. because Because maybe Basic Instinct killed her career. It both made kinda and killed did. her career. Kind of yeah. did. Because, you know, obviously... After this, she has Casino, and that's when she gets her Oscar nomination. Right. And that's her sort of God, like she's good in that, right? Where she's like, I'm just gonna like amplify. Now like, I'm legitimate, the, you know. right? And that's where Scorsese from everyone is just being like more, like yeah. just as big as you can go. Like she's this is the Coke movie. Big. Like Sharon Stone is, if nothing else, capable of not holding anything back. Like my whole take on Casino is that's Martin Scorsese like finally exercising his cocaine demons. You know what I mean? Yeah, where he's yeah. like, let's. Let's yes. just put it out there. This sure. is what we're really like when we're doing that. Right. But then she has a really bad run of like Diabolique. Well, even before and, then, because yeah. after this is a Sliver, right. which is sort of the bad version of this. Exactly. Yeah. And then Last Action Hero. Oh, that's just a cameo. Uh, you know, then The Specialist, which is another bad yeah. version of this movie. Yeah. yeah. Quick and the Dead, which I w- kind of wish was a better movie. Uh, I've never seen it. Uh, the, um, yeah, the Raimi, uh, Raimi movie, Western? the Western. Yeah. And then Casino. And then. Diab- Diabolique you know it's like all these where they're like they're finding the right kind of Sharon Stone projects None of them are good. Yeah. but they're kind of like ripping off Basic Instinct they're ripping off that vibe I think you're on to something Sphere. though where like she exists as this really interesting neo-noir type right Yeah. where like all the, the peak noir films are still made in like an era where you could not be overtly sexual it always had to be subtextual. You had to like toe the line of that Hayes code. And so the power of someone like Gloria Graham comes from like inferring as much as you can without actually showing something or saying something. Yeah. And then Sharon Stone is that character with all the subtext removed. Like she's the fully weaponized version of the like femme fatale. Weaponized is exactly right. Right. She's like very aggressive and maximalist. 
Um, and, and yeah, just super violent, super sexual. Like there's no double entendre. She's just like saying everything out in the open. Well, another person who was like that is Dorothy Malone, who was in this movie. And I think the fact that I saw this movie after I had seen, I, when I saw this movie, I had seen way more Dorothy Malone movies than I had seen Verhoeven movies. Mm-hmm. Right. And so to me, like her, she signaled exactly what was going on with this movie. This is like yeah. her last movie, right? Like I think this, she is didn't it? make, I think it is. And she's. I almost want more of her because it's such a good idea mm-hmm. to have her such as this. Such a good idea. Like the echo of the, you know, the past noir movies, yeah. like the, the previous femme fatale is yeah. like her buddy. <laughs> like so literally like she was her character, Hazel Dobkins. Uh, Hazel Dobkins, yeah. yes. Like yes. murdered someone in 1956. Right. And like, you know, which was kind of the peak of Dorothy Malone's yeah. career when she was doing the Cirque movies. And and um, and um, I just love that. I feel like that's such a great echo of of and she's like another one like the big sleep i think kim morgan said something about like the big sleep is a movie about a sexy book clerk or something because she's the sexy book clerk who like dominates it with a and she kind of takes it to the edge actually as far as sure like that sleaziness and i'm in a lot of her performances which i appreciate her her official credit in the big sleep is acme bookshop proprietress which is a really funny credit I just wanted to shout but that out. But it's also like... Th- <laughs> yeah, sexy book clerk. That'd be great. Right, right, right. at the beginning, like, nah, nah, right. the little credits list. The iconic thing of this movie is that, like, and I think it's iconic not just because it was, like, unprecedented at the time, but also just because of, like, the semiotic power of what it's saying mm-hmm. is that, like, whereas up until now you have people, like, making double entendres or, like, the way they smoke the cigarette is as sexual as you can get. This is a movie where someone literally like uncrosses their legs and it's yeah. like there's nothing right. being held back anymore. Right. I was going to say, and that's unusual in some ways, but it's also, I mean, I think that her, um, she really, she just later disowned that. She said she that did. she much was. Much later, yeah. Didn't she want much later, yeah. she says she didn't know it was like against, she was, you know, in yeah. a way without consent. Like she didn't know it was being. And I am so, you know, I totally tend to, I believe women right but i kind of doubt that she didn't know what was going on because there's the whole line where she's like you know i don't wear underwear right there's it's before we see her after the fact right well we see her dress yeah and and she's naked and just puts on a dress yeah Yeah. and then right there's the thing and like it's so the dress that she's gonna wear in that scene you see her not wearing underwear you know right exactly yeah Um, right and it's so obviously crucial right yeah and it's funny because i remember i had heard a story maybe before some interview with verhoven where they weren't sure if they were going to put the shot in because mm-hmm. they were I like, see. you know, this is obviously salacious oh, stuff, you know, right? Like, yeah. so, and then in, in the editing room, apparently the editor was like, well, here's, here's what it looks like. And he was just like, yeah, that's pretty, you know, like yeah. we, we, we should have this in the movie. Uh, I also, but I mean, maybe but, she didn't know. I mean, I'm sure no, no, she, she didn't knew. Know what, she didn't yeah. know what it was going to look like. She knew this was part of the, of the, of the, her, of the script. Right. Her but. argument that she made, which she made when she was making Basic Instinct, when she was like on the press tour for that, yeah. that's when she brought all this up, was that yeah. he had asked her to take off the underwear because it was like, it looked bad on camera or something. Like there was like a sheen that was like, and that she didn't know it was going to be. Uh, you know, a shot. Like, you know what I mean? But but even it's I, odd to think about it, as you yeah. say, because it seems so inherent to the whole first act of the movie is that she does that. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Also, I mean, you know, like, I guess you could just have the sort of like, she uncrosses her legs, reverse shot, 
them all freaking out. Yeah, reverse, that's, you that's know, the like, thing. Like, within the body of the film, she's not wearing underwear. Right. And, and also, she is an actress so deliberately plays that movie with that move, that movement with so much authority of the crossing and uncrossing of the legs. Sure, of that course. it's like, how does she Wait, not... You do charge me for smoking. That's another right. Esther House the, <laughs> classic. Yeah. The other thing is, it's like, I, I wonder if more of her regret um, stems from what that moment became. Well, exactly. obviously, it's you the know? defining exactly. part of her career. Right. right. The, yeah. Her career like now exists in the shadow of this one moment, this one part of her body. Yeah, totally. And yeah. it works in the film so well. 100%. Right. And right. it like it's in it's in it it just works. And and it's also works in the film where she's in power of this moment. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. very like I mean that's why I love that scene so much where it's the cops are basically like, so let me get this straight. Let me wait, wait. Yeah. You just had sex with the guy and you're not in love with him. Yeah. And she's <laughs> right. like, uh yeah, we were just fucking and they're like right. And you enjoyed this. You enjoyed the <laughs> sex with the man yeah. for for an extended period of like a year and a half. You were having sex with him, you know. Right. And she's like, uh huh. And, know, and like, Wayne Knight in the performance that the, should have won Best Supporting Actor that year. God, the I mean, like, sweat from it, these guys. These are the greatest reaction Ver- shots I think I've ever seen in a film. You know, we talk about how Verhoeven cast these like nerdy uh, U.S. Treasury yeah. agent looking guys in as his villains in like RoboCop and yeah. uh, Total Recall. And in this, he's just got such an eye for those like <laughs> yeah. schlubby middle aged cops. Chelsea Ross. Oh God, yeah. with like with like the sort of you know sweat pouring off him yeah. and like the button downs. Uh, um, uh, Chelsea uh, Ross, Bruce uh, A. Young. What's um, his name uh, from the X? Files, um, uh, Mitch Pileggi, Mitch uh, and Daniel Van Bargen, yeah. who is the uh, yeah, the guy who was a great uh, actor. Yeah, gets in the face of um, um, uh, you know the story that like Spielberg saw Basic Instinct in theaters when he was prepping Jurassic Park. Oh, and he and just was loved like, the look away Nedry. night, right? Yeah, no, because yeah, yeah. he said take that shot of him reacting in Basic Instinct, and really? then make the reverse <laughs> shot a T Rex, right. and we have ourselves a hit picture. Right. It's like, that's how I want him to be cowering in fear. He had such a look when he He downplays it so much, though, because it'd be so obvious, especially with, like, Verhoeven's, like, comically inept, like, schlubby, pudgy, balding, whatever, like, pencil-pushing types in these movies. Wayne Knight plays his reaction shot so seriously. Like, it's so grim and dire. And he's doing so little, but his eyes are just, like, broken. He's got big... Big bulgy. Yeah, and then the sweat is so good. And he just keeps on repeating that move over and over again. Like almost every single close-up in that interrogation scene is like a crazy fast push into their face. I just love Regardless that of who it is. It's, it's so, really true. The, yeah. the pushes are so good. Yeah. The pushing was she leans forward and right. pushes into her and right. they're sort of like, it's so wonderfully choreographed. But he, he keeps on repeating that same movement over and over again. So like you cut to a Sharon Stone, it's a fast push in. Then you mm-hmm. cut to Douglas, it's a little further away, but you push in just as fast. And he just keeps on like resetting and pushing. I also like that it's uh, a shooting gallery for some reason. Like that's where they're interviewing yes. her because you see the... Uh, the little uh, outlines in the background yeah. and, the, well, and the fucking lighting on that set. It's a, unbelievable. This is so Yann DeBont, like right before he decamps and becomes his own filmmaker. Yep. Um, because we, who we haven't mentioned because he doesn't shoot Robocop or um, Total Recall, but he mm-hmm. was Verhoeven's original guy. He's Dutch yes. too. You know, he shot a lot of the Dutch movies with him. Yeah. He also shot Roar, uh, which is funny to think about you know the movie where they like oh right yes like made yeah, Tippi Hedren fight he a lion started. or whatever yeah, yeah. Um, but the, I think he Yandemont got to Hollywood earlier because he made Cujo and all the right moves yeah uh, and then so yeah so this is their like this is the one movie they make together in Hollywood uh, apart yeah, from Flesh Yandemont and Blood had like a very serious injury on Roar Yandemont yeah specifically Ooh. he almost died on the film I think uh, a lion lifted his scalp requiring 220 stitches thank you 
Have you seen Roar? No. Have you seen Roar? I still haven't. It's I, I wanted to see it when it, it sort of did the rounds like yeah. a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Tippi Hendren like remarried this man who was obsessed with lions. Right. And thought he had to make a movie about humans and lions. You dig this movie. Coexisting. Oh, Ben, you would fucking love this movie. Yeah, why? He, like, made this movie out of his own pocket over, like, five years. Starring his new wife and his new stepdaughter. Oh, my God. About them coexisting with lions. And they just kept on getting mauled. They just had real lions. Wait, they got mauled? Yeah, Yeah, like, all the time. And the crew just kept getting mauled. And he would shut it down. And then six months later, he'd raise more money and make it, like, shoot another two weeks or whatever. Mauled is such a word. Yeah, but they really, like, they got mauled on that It's the one with Tippi Hedren and Melanie Griffith, right? They're both in it, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Those Uh, images, they just are playing around with these big lions, like they're house cats or something, (laughs) and they're so... They, like, lived in a Hollywood Hills mansion with giant lions. It's sort of, like, grizzly man-esque, where it's like, man has crossed a line here, yes. It's fascinating, because it's like watching the movie that Timothy Treadwell thought he was making. In Grizzly Man. Right, right, Like, right. Roar's the movie that, like, doesn't acknowledge how dangerous they are because he wants to make this, like, peaceful, harmonic coexistence thing. But there's still footage where it's, like, that lion is trying to kill that person. There's another great lion movie called The Lion. And it's in the, from the 60s. It's with William Holden and Capucine. Oh, yeah, 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 I've heard of this. I've never. It's also really 1960s. creepy crossing the line. I think it's, it's a Jack directed, Cardiff movie. It's yes. Jack Cardiff. I love his directing. His yeah. direct, his films he's directed are Cardiff so bizarre. It. Yes. Okay, yeah. The he directed a ton of movies. Right, yeah. a ton in there. Yeah. But they're Weird. mostly pulpy stuff because he Some was such right. a Tony like high Sons, class. Sons and Lovers, that's right. the one I've seen. Didn't he do Girl on a Motorcycle? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And then he did yes. this amazing movie about circus freaks and that eat. The plants eat them and stuff, and it, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> this but it sounds so, awesome. No, it's so good, but so is the lion because it's like it's play. It's about like um, Capucine and William Holden um, have a, a daughter together. They're divorced, and they are living in Africa. And um, their daughter is like twelve or something, and kind of like tomboyish. And she falls in love literally with a lion. She's having right. this like okay. romance with a lion. Okay. <laughs> this is the second human animal romance film oh, you no, brought up true. today. So clearly you have some I've sort of like interest. book to write here. And yeah. I, really, I recently realized I think my favorite subgenre of movie is human falls in love with something that isn't human. It is. That is a pretty, uh, you know, if you can pull that off. Yeah. yeah. I'm big into those. Um so I, I'm I'm taking notes on all these recommendations. Uh, it's called with, The Mutations, yeah. the, the plant mutations. movie. That, that was his last movie with Donald Pleasance and uh, no one else. I really recommend it. Cool. Okay. This other film is the Africa Mercenaries movie. Oh, yes. I, wait, I just had that one. Uh, Dark of the Sun, I believe it's called. Incredible. Good title. Yes. Yeah. Totally set incredible. In the, set in the Congo, starring Rod Taylor. Ding dong. Do you want to get it? Yeah, I'll get it because I need to go to the bathroom. Okay. Hello. Hello. I'm David. I am autobiography. Okay. Uh, what is, uh, I, I see. You're of course familiar with the film The Page Master. Uh, sure. Yeah. I saw The Page Master when I was a kid. In which sentient books represent an entire subgenre of literature. Sure. It was like horror or whatever. Like yeah. fantasy, right. adventure. Uh-huh. Your autobiography. Right. Cut me out of the film. Thought I was a little dry. Uh, you seem a little dry. No offense. A little narcissistic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very self-obsessed, right. Right, and I love listening to myself talk about myself. Okay. But for once, I'd love to listen to someone else. Oh, you want it like an audiobook. I would love an audiobook. I don't want jib-jab. I don't want a conversation. Give me a real piece of literature in my ears. Okay, all right. Well, what do you think of Audible? Sounds good. Continue. Well, 
This is a company, Audible, that's offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Mm. If you just go to audible.com slash check and you browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, you can download a title for free and start listening right away. It's that easy. Okay, but what? what? Uh, I mean, it sounds like it'd probably be difficult for me to find a device that will be compatible with this. Uh, would it work on my phone? It works on your phone. Okay, what about from my car? Uh, sure. A tablet? Yeah. Uh, what about at home on Amazon Echo, a great company? Uh, yes, I think that you could easily listen to an audiobook no matter what. Audio shows, okay. news, comedy, uh, magazines, newspapers, business information. How does this work on a month-to-month basis? Uh, well, if you go to audible.com yes. slash check right. or text check to 500-500 to I get lo- started. I like options. You get a 30-day trial membership. And you get a free title to start listening to right away. Right. Now, I've heard a rumor. Can you confirm or deny? Audible members get a credit every month good for any audiobook in the store, regardless of price, and unused credits roll over to the next month. I, that's amazing. How did you know that? I just had a feeling. It All was right. a rumor. I heard it from a bird. Now, if I didn't like my audiobook, can I exchange it with no questions asked? Yeah. Of course. This is Audible we're talking about here. And are the books mine to keep, or are they going to take them back from me in the midnight? They belong to you. Oh, I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that. Uh, Griffin, uh, you coming back in here anytime? Hey, yeah, I finished up my poop. How's it going? We're just talking about Audible. Oh, Audible. Yeah. I, I did an audiobook that's available on Audible. You're telling us, you're telling me that our listeners with their with our promo code can go get a free audiobook that you read? Yeah, it's called The Impossible Fortress. Okay. By Jason Reculak. Okay. Reculak. Reculak. I knew how to say it when I recorded it. You had to know. It's a kind of age... Story about video game programming. Oh, yeah. I remember when you were working in the on that. 80s. And I'll right. say this to our listeners if you've ever wanted to hear me recite a bunch of long form code, boy, this is a good use of your free audiobook. All right. Well, I'll just remind you go to audible.com slash check or text check to 500 500 mm-hmm. and you can get this uh, free trial. Is there an option for Audible to slide into my DMs like Goodfield or is it only text or? Website. Uh, text or website. Okay, well, maybe they'll work on that. Okay, we've drifted. We've drifted. Yeah, we this is drift. a tangent. We drift. <laughs> we drift. That's what we did. Also, this movie is not short, but plot light, I would say. like, uh, Or I guess there's a lot well, of plot in it, but it's sort of in that noir way where it doesn't really matter. It's like, also who cares? a movie like, where there aren't too many scenes, but all the scenes are very long because they're all scenes about tension, yeah, intimidation, yeah, yeah. And seduction. Sort of like cat and mouse, right, like who has the, pa- you know, where's the balance of power it, here? Every scene is a power balance scene in this film. So she has, you know, what man killed with ice pick, right? Right. Cops investigate ice pick murder, right? right? He's he's a rock star who later became a philanthropist and a club owner. We've, we've all been there. And right. uh, <laughs> we've all had sex with this guy. We all have one of these guys oh, in our history. For sure. Totally. We all have a cat person and we all have a guy like this. Uh, and she wrote a book yeah. uh, which describes this exact murder. Right. And down so, to the, the specifics of to, him being a rock star who right. then became a civilly important. And the silk yeah, uh, tying his hands with silk. All uh, of it. So they immediately go like, well, open, shut. That's it, right? Well, no, no, no. What I like is they immediately go like, fuck, she wrote this fucking book so we couldn't accuse her of this crime. It's such a good alibi. Yeah, right. Uh, which I like that. I like that they're aware of that. And but so they, they all think it has to be her, but she's one step ahead of us. We're fucked. Right. They bring her in. Douglas goes to her house. Right. And, she, and then and this, it is literally like you're watching a, a mouse, but like a really 
disheveled, coked up mouse, like right. walk into a trap, right? Like that's what's right. But like you go from the initial setup, it's like okay, the most typical version. And first, of this he kind meets of, Roxy too, I should, yes, and then she right. diverts him to the right. The the most typical setup of this kind of war movie is like very rich, powerful man dies. The girlfriend is the biggest suspect. Okay, money must have been at play. But then when they go to her house, her house is even bigger. Money isn't an object. Mm -hmm. They get to the door. They think they got Roxy, who seems a little skittish. No, that's her girlfriend. Exactly. They have the, when we first see a woman, it's it's the double indemnity shot where the legs and, and you. But on the staircase. But it's not not her. her. It's her girlfriend. Right. It's a total Uh, mystery. Played by Leilani Sorrell. I don't know her. Her, I feel she was married to Miguel Ferrer. Oh, that's for uh, 12 years. Okay. They divorced. Um, who? Who's her? Then is her son? Who's her son? Uh, Lucas Ferrer and oh, Rafael Ferrer. Okay, interesting. Uh, she That's has, very interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she looks kind of like Sharon Stone. Yeah. Like, you know, right? But like not yeah. quite. You know, right. obviously she's just styled to look right. You know, a and she's like charismatic, but not at the same level of like when Stone walks. <laughs> like when when you get the first shot of Stone and she's just so fucking in control. She's got such a great face. Why, why, why is Sharon Stone so magnetic? I'm trying to figure I it out. I don't know. I think it's her voice, especially. Her voice is great. Her voice is, is scratchy. I mean, she's totally beautiful and yes. like, but it's like there's something just rough and scratchy and kind of great also, about her. I think mm-hmm. she's one of those people where she just is so good at being on camera mm-hmm. and it, it transcends just like being photogenic but she is so aware of like how she moves her rhythms her energy you she seems to me like one of those actors who can like feel the lighting on her face like you mm. hear about those people who are like can you get a fill there and it's like how do they know <laughs> right, right. like Kate Blanchett's apparently like that where she like adjusts lighting based on like feeling for her. the energy yeah, and you hear that and you're just like, God, that's fucking badass. <laughs> but she seems like one of those people where she's just like so in control of her own screen image and so aware of how she translates onto this medium. And and she's so still in this movie. Mm-hmm. She's got so many amazing scenes where she's just sort of like staring off into the distance, you know, pretty static. But she's like completely captivating. And she just always is high status, mm-hmm. you know, like even in Total Recall where she's with fucking peak Arnold Schwarzenegger who's seven times bigger than her. Every right, time and they she's shouldn't screen, make any sense where she's right. like, oh, honey, how was work? And yeah. he's like, it was fine. I'm, I'm sitting here right. right now. I like to sit, you know, and you're like, what the fuck is the, he, he, he's not, a, we talked about it last Every time week. they're in a scene together, she feels high status and he looks like a fucking doofus, he's, you know? He does look like a yeah. doofus. Um, and, and similarly, every time she's on screen with Michael Douglas in this movie, he just looks like a sad old man. Like she seems he so, point? he has to be like, 50, right? He's born in 44. 45? So, yeah, he's like four, he's in his mid 40s. Yeah. And she was born, yeah, she's a lot younger than him. Obviously, she's 14 years younger than him. Yeah. Yeah. So, she's the age of the character, which yeah. is like 30 right. or something. Yeah. She's a famous novelist, I guess, but she writes like airplane thrillers. Yeah, like, the books so. don't look good. No. <laughs> it's like a lot, a lot of murdering to do so just judgy, for like a David. shitty book. I mean, and it's true. I'm literally yeah. judging a book by its cover. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, but but she, she is incredibly successful. Yes. Probably very successful. exclusively nice. through Hudson News sales, but she is incredibly successful. So you're from the Bay Area. This is like uh, Marin County or something. Like, what is this? Yeah, it's Marin County where I'm actually from. And so um, 
this is another thing that the location. So when they go to her house, it's um, I think like Pacific Heights, sure. which is always the house in all of the noirs. They're mm-hmm. always in the same location, and his his apartment too is the same as like Humphrey Bogart's and Kearney Street. And these okay. sort of like it's it's I, San Francisco is such a small city mm. that all of these locations are used over and over again. It's so photogenic, but it's also really small. Right. And then when they go to her um, her country place, it's Stinson Beach. I think that they actually yeah. filmed it in Carmel, though. I, I did look it up. They Carmel. It in Carmel. I know Carmel because Clint Eastwood was the mayor. He was the mayor. Carmel's <laughs> great. But it was supposed to be Stinson Beach, which is in Marin County. And that's another noir thing. There's um, the, I don't know, have you guys seen uh, the Joan Crawford movie, Sudden Fear? No. The, um, yeah. the second one. Yeah. The, um, and I think that's, what is it, 1950? It's like early 50s, I think. Is it 1952? Uh, 50, 52. Jack Palance. Yeah, and Gloria Graham, who we were just talking about. And um, there's the same, uh, it's, there's a lot of echoes of that. It's another like house on, on the cliff and you can look down and you see it. There's almost the shot. Some of the shots are complete, like almost like quotes. Mm -hmm. And um, so this movie is so good at that, of getting those, those San Francisco noir. um, Touchstones, right? Yeah. Yeah. And being. But also a cowboy bar. Yeah, and, yeah, and the cowboy bar is just thrown in. Oh, and then another Marin County um, noir is Dark Passage. Right. Oh, it yeah. It starts out that. in Marin, yeah. and they drive. So when they're driving on those curvy roads, it's reminding me of Dark Passage, yes. mm. which is really similar. Um, this is also, it's it's a color film, obviously, but it is mm. so shadow-based. It yeah. is so contrast-based. And and the amount of, like, uh, uh, a glimmer of light coming through the blinds, like vertical shadows on their face stuff in this movie is like he emulates the look really well without it feeling like a pastiche. Yeah. He finds a way to modernize all that sort of like visual language of the noir. It's weird though because it feels very, I kept in my notes, I was like, oh, it's so 80s, but it's it's early 90s. Yeah. But it, it somehow is, right. gets that 80s look. But it's the look, tail end, yeah. And, yeah. The, and the cocaine and the, yeah. but it's also funny because this movie I found out came out the same year. This played the same Cannes Film Festival as um, Fire Walk With Me. Sure. Oh, right. Okay. 92. Yeah. Yes, yes. And so those are like, I don't know, one feels very more towards, a little more towards the 90s to me. And this feels very much stuck in the 80s or almost like a summary, like like Verhoeven who's been there being like, oh, I'm going to make, yeah, cocaine noir. This, this feels like a hangover from the 90s movie, you know, or from the 80s rather. Yeah. It feels like a 90s set, 80s hangover film yeah. where it's like Michael Douglas is like the remaining coke boogers that we have to like. Well, right. And he literally nostrils. like basically oh washes the coke boogers. <laughs> that really gets to his essence. Though. Right. So grossed out. He's a human coke booger. And a he's, phenomenal actor. He's there's that shot of him, <laughs> yeah, that shot of him that I think is you know it's uh, the shot of him that I think is really funny that it is included. Yeah. After the incredibly rough uh, sex scene with uh, Gene Triplehorn, uh-huh. uh where he's dressing, where she's sick of him immediately and like goes into her yeah. room and slams the door, and he dresses, and he's like flat on his back, and he pulls his pants on by kind of like doing the worm, you know, yeah. he kind of sort of like goes like <laughs> where it's like, oh yeah, this guy's like a fucking loser yeah. right you know like i mean like this is this is him after he's done this like thing you know where right. it's just like oh well here i am no pants on you right. know yep well he's like a guy who like knows what to do in the extreme situations and in between right. is doesn't like, know how to behave at totally all totally on anchor like, like can you imagine this guy like eating function. a bowl of fruit loops <laughs> like, you know what i mean like or he's just like i'm hungry yeah 
Right. He knows how to strut into a room. This is a guy who yeah. when orders a double blackjack uh, yeah. when he wants to like start drinking again. Do you guys know what a blackjack is? I don't no. know what it is. Whiskey and like fucking I I looked it up. It's I've never heard of it. Is it like the speed ball of liquor? It's it I think it's um whiskey and Kahlua in a cocktail shaker like Jeez. with like lemon juice. It sounds That's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's awful. And and like that's what he's like at his bar. That's his drink. Give me a double blackjack. Yeah, right. And everyone's like, "Don't fucking do that." <laughs> you dummy. Um anyway. So let's get into that. Right. Yeah. So cuz after all of that, um the initial like, you know, where they yeah. bring her in for questioning and all, you know, the sort of the cat and mouse game has begun. Right. Um you have uh Sorry, what's her name? Beth. Right. right. Beth Garner. Right, um, is a psychiatrist. Right. Uh, who he has a relationship with. You start to get this this backstory of, of what he's been going through. Um, the the wife's suicide, his addiction issues to several different <laughs> substances. He's going through some shit. He's going through some shit. She is a total unknown. This is her debut her film. Her first film. She was Ben Stiller's oh. girlfriend. Not yeah. to tag her with that, yeah. but they have been dating for a long time. She was like a stage actress. And, and Stiller was such a like it early 90s boy as like this poster child of like the Gen X uh, right. that I think they were like kind of a cool hip couple. Uh, for sure. Um, um, yeah, this is her first movie and then she like kind of runs the table for like five years after this. Runs the table? She's doing big shit. I mean, she the firm Reality Bites and Waterworld are her well, next Reality Bites she's barely in. Yeah. Right, she's barely in. Uh, right. But Waterworld is like, I mean, certainly that was a huge part for her And then get. Sliding Doors but she's the other woman. Then that's what's weird. Then right and after very Waterworld bad things she always Mickey becomes like low right. on the call sheet. Uh, yeah. She's really good in Big Love, which I yeah. enjoyed her. In. She's always Gene Triplehorn, though. Like I've oh, heard man. people refer to this movie. What a movie. face she's got. She's like, totally beautiful. Yeah. She's so beautiful. But it's almost like she's not, you know, like in Zoolander when there's Billy Zane and it's yeah. Billy yeah, Zane yeah. is Billy Zane. She's kind of like Gene Triplehorn. Is she? Yeah. She also has a, it's such a wonderful name to think about. Triplehorn. <laughs> what is, you know, like, That's so a, I guess that. Her name is so distinctive. Her face <laughs> is so distinctive. Yeah. The era in which she was really like. Prominent is so distinctive that she like kind of sticks out of anything she's in. Yeah, I saw it. Someone tweeted something about this movie that I was totally in shock. I hadn't seen it for a while, and they're like, you know, when um when you're not sure who did it, whether it was <clears throat> Catherine Tremell or Jean Triplehorn. Yeah, and there's spoilers. so many things about that. Um, yeah, he's, but he's, he's kidding. Okay, kidding. yeah, no, there's, spoil um, away. So there's so and there's so many interesting things about that. Well, first of all, I was in shock because I'm like, whoa, I did not remember it being as like to me. It was really clear, right? Even yeah. though it's totally like I have a very clear point of view about mm. this. And I didn't, and I'm, I have, I, I did not think that it, it was that, that debatable, but also just, you know, the Catherine Tremell is such a character. It's such a good noir name. And then there's Jean Triplehorn. Right. You know? like, and it's yeah. like, but that's also because. Dr. Beth Garner. Like it's like, it's, <laughs> I mean, that's also because yeah. we're not her, sure, who she is exactly. Sure. Too, yes. I mean, I do think it's hard, like even though the crux of the plot is, did she do it? You know, yeah. and they do have this whole flim flam with, Oh, but actually, she, uh, Jean Triplehorn used to have blonde hair, and they slept together in college, and she might have killed some, you know, like where they're like, yeah. no, it could be her, it could be her, and you you never buy it for Wait, a second. Wait, really? I'm the opposite. I totally think Jean, Jean oh, Triplehorn do it. I, I don't have, buy it. I oh totally God. think, I have no doubt. To me, it's completely Jean Triplehorn is, like, she's so creepy. Well, she okay. is creepy. She is but creepy. You, I just don't think she has the guts. Hot take, hot take. <laughs> yeah. I know you haven't listened to, to this podcast. But on episode one, we solved cereal. 
Okay. Conclusively, okay. we gave the answer wow. that America wanted. That's a way back when, uh-huh. which, which is they both did it, mm-hmm. and I think this movie's the same. Oh, you think I they think both did? I think there's an J and a non thing kind of going on. Wow. I just always walk out of this. Wow. That's that's what I think. I think they both did. I think neither story makes sense if it's just one of them without collaboration from the other. Wow. See, I really think Jean Triplehorn because she's just such a creep. And I just feel like that's she's an identifiable. And she she gets into the, that's, I brought up this article I wrote a few mm-hmm. years ago called Persona Swap. And that gets this, this is very noir, this movie, but it also gets into this Persona Swap movie right. where there's a blonde yes. and a brunette. And there's and like one, a transference of power. Or, a transference right. of power and right. personality. Yeah. And one is really copying the other, like single white female. Big revival in the 90s. Yeah, single white female. And yeah. Hand the Rock's the Cradle kind of. Tiptoes oh, yeah. into that. Yeah. Hand yeah. the Rock's yeah. the Cradle is more like a fatal attraction movie where it's like, what if the worst possible thing happened after you sure. did a mundane thing? Like, sure. fatal attraction. Yeah. What if you slept with uh, another lady? Oh, she boils your daughter's bunny. Yeah. Van Han Rock's the Cradle. What if you got a babysitter? No, no, you don't want you don't want to hire a babysitter. Just <laughs> yeah. never leave your home. <laughs> Just don't leave. Yeah. Sorry. But it did. It did. There were a lot of in the 90s and then yeah. even like Mulholland Drive mm-hmm. and there's the blonde. The, the, and like, the best one. Yeah. yeah. And like so um, this to me just reminded me. So And, and Gene Triplehorn is so the bad guy in those roles yes. in those movies. And, yes. And I really I really bought everything about her. But I mean of course there's the last scene and the last shot. But right. to me yes. I, I am so moved by um, – by by Sharon Stone and by Catherine Trammell that I mm. I totally don't think she did. But do you think? Yeah. Do you think she's she now like maybe I should do it? Like you know, it's you know. My feeling then is then I mean I know this isn't quite logical, but just let me go with my heart. I'm <laughs> with you. I I love this read. So you sound like Sarah Koenig falling in love with a knot. Right. <laughs> You're gonna talk about how soulful her eyes are. No, but I I feel like there's another movie that in this last rewatch it was reminding me of. Have you guys ever seen the movie Bell Book and Candle? Richard Quine movie? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, it was a, a common answer trivia, yes. if you remember that. But anyway, oh, really? yeah, we, yes. we became very good friends doing movie trivia night of ideology, and we always get, would get smarted by that one, because it would come up because over and over they again. Would, they would do so many witch categories, because Maggie loved witch movies, yeah. and so Bell Book and Candle was a favorite. Oh, yes, but anyway. At, at a certain point, yes. both of us were just like, fuck, I, why didn't we watch <laughs> Bell Book and Candle after the last time? Like, we know it's going to come up every three so weeks. That's the, that's uh, what's Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak. Yeah, right? made the same year as Vertigo, so I mean, obviously, this movie has a lot of echoes of Vertigo, and yeah. so that movie does too. And they're both like not quite Vertigo, but there's like in that movie, she's this like it's the same thing. Instead of being like the perfect woman, she's the perfect woman because, and instead of her power being her summa cum laude pussy, her power is that <laughs> she's like literally a witch, and that she <laughs> yeah, put a love yes. spell over over Jimmy Stewart and like this sort of thing. But it's the same vibe, like the same sort of blonde coolness, mm-hmm. and like I have this power over you that you're both like attracted to and totally scared of and um and but then at the end she becomes vulnerable and there's the same the tears at the end too yeah which is in the similar place and so and to me it's like well yeah like she doesn't she's like wants to kill him because he wants her to be a stay-at-home mom (laughs) he's he's talking a whole mess at the end there where he's like let's maybe we'll have some kids it's like kids some basic shit you don't want to have children Yeah. Totally. And she You're going to shoot them by mistake yeah, like eight right, months right. in. Neither of you are fit to be parents. <laughs> and that's very, that's very Bell Book and Candle. At the yeah. end, she ends up really boring and basic and terrible. Right. And it's sure, almost like sure. sad. And so I feel like to me, I always read this as like, yeah, so she's ready to stab him at the end, but that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with all the murders. <laughs> I, not to side tangent off to one of our old punching bags. 
I just remember how fucking bullshit is it that moment in Suicide Squad where Enchantress sees all their fantasies and Harley's twins is that she lives in the suburbs with the Joker and they have a baby. Yeah. It's terrible. We, we talked yeah. about it at the time. I haven't time. even seen that, but oh, that it's, is so it's, gross. It's reprehensible. It's literally the, the witch character like goes into all she, their deepest fantasies She tries fantasies to like, bewitch them by showing them what they want. And yes. the way they get into that sequence is her turning on the normal setting on a washer dryer, and then it pans out, and it's her and the Joker, and they don't have makeup, and they have a little baby, and they're in like a somewhere that's green-like house. Normal. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe normal. they went that far. Right. Because, uh, I don't know if you know this, usually the Joker is twisted. <laughs> twisted. Uh, agree with everything that you say. Uh, but you don't sorry. agree with me. I just, you, don't, you disagree yeah. well, with everything I say, I mean, actually. Because <laughs> you think that a different person. Oh, no, it. right. So getting back to this, I do yeah. think, I think Beth doesn't have the guts. That's my whole argument on Beth, is that she is like the sort of like wishy-washy version of Catherine. She was obsessed with Catherine, but she like, you know, I... She looks so shocked when she, again, spoiler alert, when, <laughs> joke, uh, when she's, uh, when she gets shot at the end. And I, so like that to me, I'm like, she doesn't look like, how did you figure this out? She literally looks like, why'd you shoot me? It's so De Palma, that ending, <laughs> it isn't it? Is. With the like poncho and everything. Oh, it's my God. really great. Also with the, you know, throughout the hair, like obscure, you know, the sort yeah. of mysterious uh, the female scene villain. Yeah. that makes the question really interesting for me is the one where Douglas um, goes to see Catherine after Rocky has died. Um, yeah. And she's like a mess, an absolute mess. Right. And up until this point in the movie, she has always been in complete control right. of what she's projecting onto everyone else around her. And this like insane confidence to be like, I bet you think I killed her. Like just openly baiting them into being like, I know everything you're thinking. You think I'm guilty. Yeah, they have the whole, it's like a chess conversation. Right. Like, well, they told me, I said that you wouldn't want a lawyer. Why'd you say I wouldn't want a lawyer? You know, all, yeah. The lie detector leaving the clippings of the magazine, the uh, newspaper articles about Douglas, like all of it. She's like openly inviting skepticism and fear about her, right? And then this moment where she's just like bundled up in like a blanket, right? Like a big sweater, mm. looking out the window, just like broken. Yeah. And whereas before she's been kind of flippant when she talks about like the people in her life who have died in this kind of like arched eyebrow way. Now she's just like, I fucking hate it. Like, everyone I know dies. Like, I'm just yeah. this person. I mean, that's a- obviously the scene where you're supposed to be like, oh, maybe maybe this, this she's, right. she's for real. Like, and this because of that scene, you either have to go like, okay, she is the Joker. Like, she's like an incredible, like, arch nemesis who's capable of, like, such extreme emotional manipulation right. that this is part of her plan. Or that she's, like, this weird, somewhat victim of circumstance who has now had to own it. In a certain way. Sure. But I still kind of, I feel like, I don't know. She's got an ice pick in her bed. I mean, I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, I have an ice pick in my bed, but that's because I like to have ice in my bed. You like to do some night picking. It's kinky. (laughs) She knows what he likes. (laughs) I do love how her sex move, though, is like that she just sort of goes like, I'm about to stab you. (laughs) Let me just suddenly rush at you. (laughs) Do you remember the DVD for this movie? Uh, the DVD. Because we talked about how, like... Uh, the old sort of uh, snap case. Lionsgate was paid so much money to get Schwarzenegger to do the commentary for Total Recall. Okay. Because this was, like, the big blockbuster um, DVD era. And they also... That's the commentary where Arnold Schwarzenegger's like, I need this scene, I'm watching TV, and it's great. <laughs> he like, he just describes, describes what's happening and on And they screen. paid him, like, a million dollars to do the commentary because they were like, maybe this is the next big thing? Sure. Right. Um, but they similarly released Basic Instinct around the same time, and the case was 
like clear blue lucite. So it looked like ice with no I cover. I do remember this, right? With the yes, disc yes. visible inside, and it yes. came packaged with an ice pick right. that was actually a pen. Right. And it's the weirdest like product ever. <laughs> I do ever. remember that. Clear yeah, blue, yeah. visible disc, no other title on it, and then there's just an ice pick inside of it. So it's like the movies in ice. And then you have to <laughs> pick it out with a pen, which is mightier than the ice pick. Like it's it's such a mangled kind of thing. I love it. I just remember Entertainment Weekly like couldn't get over that. Like, look at how cool DVDs are now. <laughs> this isn't your grandfather's home media format. Uh, well, I have the Blu-ray and it's just yeah, It's just a normal. It's just in a yeah. case or something. Yeah. Have you guys seen Phantom Thread yet? Uh, yes. You, uh, have. you haven't. I haven't. Right. You haven't. But I, I was, love Phantom Thread. I was just, just thinking, it wasn't while I was watching it, but you know, no when spoilers. you say, why does she have an... Okay, well, no. Sp- yeah. Okay, I won't say anything more. Actually, oh really? Just, I know I won't, but okay. because because um, it's not. They have a similar you can attitude. A mild spoiler. They just have a similar attitude towards um, sex. Okay, but they're very different. I think sure. there's like yes. no sex scenes in Phantom Thread, and uh-huh. they, these are some of the craziest, as you said, athletic. Right. But I think yeah. they're. I think they're sexy. I fair think enough. Fair enough. Are. Maybe I was too hard on the sex scenes. They, they are. are. They're, they're very just, sexy. They're just extreme. Uh, like I, I would be frightened if I were placed in a position like this. You mean in your regular life or to yeah. film a sex scene like this? Uh, b- both. Sure. Either. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. read they, the sex scene, the main centerpiece sex scene took five days to film, which just sounds like such a hassle to I me. I did want to say, right, I read this interview yeah. with Michael Douglas. I may have said this on the podcast before because it's one of my favorite quotes where he was like, I I hate filming sex scenes, which is nuts because he's filmed like eight That's billion. like his ballet right? Yeah. And he's like, because everyone who's watching a movie has had sex and no one's ever died. Right. So it's so much easier to die on screen because no one knows what that's like. Sure. Uh, so I love dying on screen. I'll do it anytime you want, but I hate sex because everyone's just like comparing it to whatever they oh, do. That's funny. Uh, but yeah, funny. that, that, um, that, because you brought it up in comparison with Showgirls, but I, so ever since you brought that up, I, my mind's been going like, what happened with that pool scene? Like, what happened between this, yeah, the ice yeah. pick it's and true. the pool yeah. scene? But you know what I mean? You can't, like... But it doesn't have focus, maybe, the right. pool scene. Yes. Like, uh, it the doesn't pool have scene, the death, which it, he needs. Yes, the pool scene has absolutely no purpose whatsoever, except that they need to have sex, I guess, because they are beginning a sexual relationship. Right. But there's no, like, gravitas to the scene, really. No. And so I guess it's the idea is just she's it's it's another performance from her. But also, I guess, the, I don't know. as we've talked about previously, he always protests that he is not heightened or stylized in how he depicts uh, sex or violence. And he's like, I'm just the only one who shows it the way it is. Right. Like he considers both <laughs> of these to be like Ken Loach approaches to like. You you you, you go for it, Polly. I like it. I love I, I, it. I, like, I, mean, yeah. I love it. I mean, I even like it in Showgirls, although in Showgirls it is just obviously funny. Like, you know, it's it's, yeah. it's very hard to imagine. But, but, you know, the thing I think that makes this sex scene work is like a good action sequence. It has character beats within it. It has real performance moments. It's not just choreography, sure. you know? Yes. Right. But it is choreographed. Sorry, go ahead. Sure. But not just choreography. Right, right. In the first sex scene that we see, do you think that is that was that Sharon Stone in a wig? I think it is. I yes. think it is. I think that is Sharon Stone. That's like, yeah. yes, that's her body. I wasn't frame by framing it, but also even the moments when the hair sort of drifts away a little bit and you see elements of it. Yeah. Her bone structure on her face is so distinctive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anytime right. you catch a cheekbone, you're like, that has to be Sharon Stone or hiring someone purposefully who looks so much like Sharon Stone. Right. That yeah. might be it too. I'm, yeah. I'm just curious what they, if that's been revealed somewhere. I don't know. That they, yeah. I, I I don't know. I'd have to. I wonder how you'd find out. I, I'd, yeah. I'd certainly think it's her. 
Um, um, but so we sh- I mean, yeah, I mean, the uh, the main sort of like incident that we haven't covered is about halfway through the movie when he goes to see her and she reveals that she's made him the character in her next book. Well, yeah, I mean, doing all this research and starts revealing details that she should about know. himself. Right. Yes. Uh, it's the scene at his apartment, I believe, is where she's doing this. Um, that comes later. Okay. It's the early one where he goes to her house. Right. That ends with him leaving and her making out with Roxy, uh, Rocky in front of him. Right. Um, and that's when he goes back to the precinct and flips out about, like, who gave her the that's file. That's when he, right, he yells at Daniel Von Bargen, uh, Bargen, however you say his name. Yes. And then Daniel Von Bargen gets shot, like, one minute later, and he is considered the prime suspect. Right. Because he freaked out And he's him. found out that uh, Gene Triplehorn gave the file to him. Right. But this is all... Like, this is all film noir shit. Like, where it's yeah. like, there's just a lot of plot happening and, like, a lot of, like, wires getting crossed so that you can't guess quite what's going to happen next. But this leads to him being suspended. Yeah, he gets suspended. So now he's, he's still... There's it, also right. two car chases. <laughs> yes. There's the one on those windy roads that you were talking about that's kind of cool. And then there's the other one where, like, Roxy's trying to murder him that... uh yeah, I, I don't it, know. But that's a, a car versus foot chase. Right. Yeah. But doesn't he get in a car at some point? No, right? Doesn't he? Am I wrong I about that? I think I think there's a car chase. Okay. Yeah, I think you know because there's yeah. like with with the big pillars and the oh, yeah. you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and the streets. So it's got the old mm-hmm. you know the the steep streets. I think, right, like Kearney or something. Yes, yes. I think he practiced by like driving up and down Kearney Street or whatever. Yeah. Yes, and that's yeah. like classic noir. What's the street that's the zigzag? Oh God, I've forgotten. I remember. I'm so out of that. My great aunt oh, yeah. and uncle live in San Francisco, and whenever I visited them, they would be like, "We've got to drive down the." zigzag street or you know I can't remember what it's called um, it's interesting how uh, protested this movie was at the time for Lombard its depiction. Street before it came yeah. out well even yeah. while they were shooting yes. so yeah. what exactly at that point I'm not quite clear on this like what were they protesting for the script they or? were yeah, it must have been the script I don't know how they figured it out uh, like that this was a film about a bisexual woman who could be a psychopath right. or whatever but that is what they were protesting. Obviously, it's in San Francisco. So maybe there was, you know, like, yeah. I mean, that's like the, the home of gay activism in this country. So I, maybe yeah, that, I don't like, they figured out either. I don't know what, like, the log line maybe was. Maybe someone got a been copy of the script or something. I but, don't, I don't but know. This movie has, like, three bisexual female characters, all of whom are violent. <laughs> Roxy well, might not be bisexual. That's true. True. That is true. She could just be that gay. Is true. And right. she likes watching. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Uh, what is she, what is, wait, she likes the peep? She is a peeper. a peeper. She is a peeper. That's true. And that's why you're a finest film critic. Um, thank you, Ben. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's it's like it gets into a thing where not that this movie feels innocuous now, but it, it kind of when you think about it within its time and place, it's like, well, you don't really have any bisexual representation in movies. And especially when like this was still a time very much where I think people were like, that's not real. You're either gay or straight. Sure. I think the right. idea that like, oh, here's a movie with a major bisexual character and also it's a movie about like, is she a serial killer or not? Yeah. Initially, like immediately just piss people off. Yeah, I don't know if that's a like, um, it's obviously not a positive depiction of, no. of bisexuality, but I don't, I like, is that, was that a stereotype at the no, time? And like I also, bisexuals well, are murderous? I don't think the movie draws no. a line in any way between the two. But you know, it's yeah. only a yeah. year after The Silence of the Lambs, which had a similar controversy right. around that it. That probably is what really, um, And so yeah. maybe there was just some sort of like concerted effort, like let's watch out for these movies that sort yeah. of paint, um, you know, LGBT people as 
demented or psychotic I, I think you're right or anything that. like that. I think Sans the Lambs, especially with how revered that, it was and winning all the Oscars, that was— It is crazy uh, yeah. that they protested filming, that, like, police yes. had to be at, like, on set yeah. to, to stop them from— which also filming. only helped this movie. Like it definitely made the so, movie right? feel it's, like oh a hot God. item by the time it right. came out. Yeah. I mean, it does feel dated. Some of the stuff, like I would be, you know, em- embarrassed, especially now, even when I first watched it, then more than when I first watched it. Mm-hmm. But it's it gets into an interesting debate about you know representation. I'm obviously very pro the idea of like more positive representation of of or not positive, but representation of people we right. don't see. But I don't. There's some people who think that you need to have positive depiction of women and yeah, positive depiction sure, right, of black that they should only people. be these paragons of yeah whatever. and that right. you should and i i don't follow that 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 idea i think it's better just to have like complicated characters yes okay. absolutely i think it just becomes more loaded when like this movie's coming out and it's like well these are the first major bisexual characters <laughs> we're getting in a film and look they all stab people you know yeah and um, and the beth character like as i mean it's interesting because she's so like she's sort of uh, there's something very pathetic about her character, mm-hmm. but it's like they 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 paint it they have it both ways that she's this like woman in love with this man and that she's this lesbian who's been Obsessed. jilted, yeah. which is why she became this person. And so they 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 they're yeah they really kind of give it to her on and and yeah it's a it's um. Poor, poor Beth. Yeah. She she yeah. also, yeah, her scene where she finally, could, yeah, poor Beth. And she also gets shot. Let's not forget. Yeah. Um, no, where she finally confesses, like, it was my only woman I ever slept with and I didn't want anyone to find out. It is sort of like this sort of like, she's too embarrassed in a way, but you also yeah. kind of understand, you know, it's still 1992. Mm-hmm. So I guess your reading of that depends on what your reading of her character is. Right. And like, mm-hmm. if you think that she's guilty, like I do, and that <laughs> then you're saying, you know, and then, but if you, if you, it's interesting that, yeah, I, I like this. I think I I sent you guys something that I wrote, and I love which this. was so good. Oh, we should tweet it out. No, um, I love ah, this. Yeah. I, <laughs> but I love this quote of um, that David almost knocked over a water bottle onto Ben's control. Please, excited. please read the quote. <laughs> but um, but he got uh, he said the scripts that interest me are a little bit edgy and have a little tension between the audience and the film itself. And I even think between the filmmaker, between the filmmaker's intentions, I think there's not only room for ambiguity, but there's just so much going on within the film. It really takes the life of its own. And in some ways, like he's an intuitive enough filmmaker that the film is like smarter than he is, than his intentions. You know, like it's like the, the what actually ends up happening, like he's able to combine these things. So he's like a a master provocateur, yeah, and he just knows how to push buttons in a way that creates meaning that sometimes is intentional and sometimes isn't. Yeah, but like the thing I love about him is like you never hear anyone have like an indifferent response to a Verhoeven movie. Like there are people who actively hate. Sure. His films. This movie. And people who yeah. love them. And no one's ever like, eh. Like, people are like, that's weird. What the fuck is that? Why does this make me uncomfortable? Or I, like, love it whole hog. Or I'm mm-hmm. wrestling with it, you right. know? Right, But he's definitely, like, someone who's interested in that relationship between the audience and the movie. Mm-hmm. And it not being a passive thing. I agree. Yeah. Totally. And then. Good director. I, yeah. <laughs> and then where um, he went after this, I, what were you going to say? No, to? I'm not saying anything. I, I mean, I like this conversation. I'm just listening. I wanted to, um, another, we were talking in the beginning of the conversation about how he uses like um, genre and mm-hmm. how, um, 
And this was a really recent revelation for me that I didn't get until I read Adam Neiman's book about showgirls. Which I keep because I know Adam and he's a oh pal. Oh, God, you should read it. It's really I good. I need to read it because we're doing Verhoeven right mm. now. I mean, it'd be nice to have had, but he lives in Toronto. But uh, but uh, yes, uh, but anyway, what were you reading his book? Carry well, on. Yeah, and Sorry. It, well, there's a lot of things about the book and there's great lines about piece of shit or masterpiece that mm. is, you know, that he, and I feel like you would, I feel like you'll start quoting that book in this podcast. But um, he compared uh, Showgirls to like the Gold Diggers movies, yeah, right. to the, like yes. the Showgirls, yes. which I didn't get on a first which initial, which totally makes sense. Their, right. right, that was Esterhaus. Want to make an old or, MGM well, It was Verhoeven's yeah. pitch to Esterhaus was yeah. I want to make a Gold Diggers type movie. Yeah, and Esterhaus was like, "Great, here's the script." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your face right now is exactly what happened. Right. But it's also like this like Greek <laughs> tragedy that movie. Oh God, to shout out a woman who just falls deeper and deeper into the depths of hell. To shout out Adam's book, it's called "It Doesn't Suck," Showgirls. With a question mark, right? I believe so. It doesn't suck? No, maybe it doesn't. Maybe, no, it's just maybe without the question mark. No, it's with a period. It doesn't suck. And Terabang. And Terabang. It's great. I really recommend it. It's a short book and it's really good. You can get it on your Kindle. Yeah. Basic Instinct. So, yeah, what happened? We've covered Well, there's the right there because there's the whole Beth thing is sort of the crux of the middle of the movie. Right. Where it's like, did she do it? Uh, you know, right, is right. She... After after Rocky dies, he goes to see uh, Tramel, and... and through this, we have all the planting of like all Tramel's buddies are former killers <laughs> mm-hmm. of some. You know, she like collects these people. It's great. Yes, yes. that's our and, and more about that's the previous Dorothy Malone, books. Yeah, right. There's the scene where she goes to his apartment after he's been uh, suspended. Right. Um, and it, it becomes clear that like, okay, he's and now they still haven't had sex at this point. I believe. No, they're still in the sort of flirt zone. Yes. The kind of, you know, getting right in each yeah. other's faces. Yeah, and then she's like, let real me cute, modest yeah. flirting. Yeah. So let me, uh, <laughs> chunk this ice up for you with an ice pick. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the Coke joke, you know, it's like now she's like relishing how far he's falling. He's... Right. Cause her initial temptation is the cigarette case. Yeah. Right. I told you I quit. Right. She's like. Right, she's getting back on all his vices, get get him all greased up again. Um and then yeah, yeah. So he's now like fully in it, goes to see Gus at the at the bar after he slept with her. Gus is like, "You fucking dummy." Well, right. So but they have that first sex scene right where he's playing the tension of, "Oh, is she going to stab him too?" It's the exact right. she gets the silk yes. uh ties out. And then instead, no, she just sort of flomps on him. <laughs> yeah, she does a flomping. It's it's a hardcore flomping. Um, and then, yeah, then she goes, there, there's the, the Rocky car chase, goes over to her place. She has this total breakdown where she has no performative or entirely performative, depending how you look at the film. Right. But this real kind of earnest, broken um, reckoning of her life and all the people she's lost, which leads right. to them having a more sensual sex scene Sure, uh, that we cut past. She says, right. make love to me. And then it's them sort of like nestling by the fire. And this is when she opens up about Dr. Beth. Right. Um, so now, now Douglas has the pieces. Sure. Yeah. And then he gets the book, mm-hmm. and she's like, "I'm done with you. Book's over." Right. Oh. Uh, uh, well, our our dear friend Gus, he reads that in the book. The cop. Yeah. Uh, dies Partner. in an elevator legs with his legs sticking out. out. Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, yeah. are yeah. we missing any plot stuff here? I'm trying to. No, like... I think we've covered all of it. Right. I think so. Pretty much. Right. Yeah. Now, but we have completely different conclusions. Yeah. That's good. I, 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 poor Beth. Yeah. (laughs) Now I'm more interested though. 
Well, we're all feel bad for Gus. Yeah, all he wanted to do is drink some sarsaparilla, ride so you, that mechanical bull. So you think that's that's Gus getting getting? I mean, that's Beth knifing Gus. Uh, you know, picking ice picking Gus in I the do. in the elevator. And yeah. like the thing, like I the agree with you. Do. You do? I, I agree with you. I still think that both of them are in on it, oh. but I think Beth is definitely the one who physically killed Gus. But they didn't collaborate. They hate each other. Do you think they collaborated? They're having oh. So I you mean, think there's Anon like and a, Jay hate each other? There's right? like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern like movie of this where yeah. it's like the two of them just talking and yeah. Plotting. I don't think her hands are totally clean. You know, I th- I think. But it's the I, I think Beth is doing most of the hands on dirty work. The the evidence against Beth is is so sort of open and shut, right? Yeah. Like it's like mm-hmm. the poncho is there, mm-hmm. like you know, right? Like it's like. It's true. It's, it seems like it could be very planted. Right. Yes. When he kills her, it's like, oh, this all just got tied off really neatly. Yeah. Almost like it was orchestrated by some lady who writes crazy novels and right. exactly. leaves a path of bodies in her way. Right. It's a great movie. It is. Uh, yeah. uh, it is a great movie. Uh, but then, right. Then when he goes to Catherine after all this is done, he yeah. doesn't say to anyone like, you know, I think <laughs> like I've got I've, I've got mixed feelings about shooting that. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't mention anything like that. Right. He just goes to her and he's like, can, can we get together forever? Yeah. Like he's like totally putty in her hands. Like right. rather than like, I know you set her up, you know, like. But you think about how loaded that situation is, right? Even if Catherine was never a suspect in this situation, okay? Beth is someone they've both had incredibly intimate relationships True. with. And now he had to kill her as a response to her going cycle against Catherine. And they're just like, so what do, what do you think? Montauk? Where do you want to move? <laughs> you know like there would yeah, be like, some grieving we, time to just process ski, what the fuck just happened right in like February and like <laughs> go to go to you know Telluride right well we do holidays with my parents or your parents <laughs> well he killed the tourists I mean yeah they're like it's, it's like, true you know it's, it's no yeah, big deal for him no ne- neither one is a saint yeah uh, and then they have the sex scene uh-huh uh, in his apartment, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where she reaches for the ice pick, but uh, I guess it rolled uh, under the da, bed. Da, da. <laughs> yeah. Do you, yeah. Is she like, oh, fuck, there's no ice pick? Or do you think she's like, you know what? No ice pick tonight. Forget it. I don't know. Maybe it's just the thrill of knowing she could. I, I like that read, you know, where it's like, you know what? It's a 50-50 shot every time you sleep with Sharon Stone. Is that worth it? She's uh, got to get, she's got to, you know, she has her kinks too. She's got to, she's got to, you know, like, um, yeah, I don't that's know. That's her fuck of the century where she, yeah. you know, she's yeah. like, well, there has to be the chance that I murder you she likes for it play. to be really good. Pick play. Consensual pick play. It's not consensual. <laughs> semi consent. He is, to me, like just, she just has him he's in a down. jar. He yeah. knows what he's doing. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. It's yeah. true. Um, but you know what I mean? Like she has put him in a bottle. Like yes. she, she, like this is, this is it. Uh, none of us have seen Fatal Instinct, have we? No. Fatal Instinct? Fatal Instinct is the the Carl Reiner, like Mel Brooks-esque parody of the 90s, 80s sex thriller. This is a movie? This is a movie. 1993, huh. Directed by Carl Reiner. How do I not know Who's about the female this? lead in it? It's someone who actually had a career. Sherilyn Fenn. Yeah. Which is a, a oh funny, my God. funny uh, you know, callback to, to Fire that. Walk yeah. With Me. I've never seen it either. Stars Armand DeSante. Right. I think he's Sean playing the Young Douglas. is in it. Sean Another, Young. Yes. Uh, I think Sean Young is more of the Sharon Stone type in the film. James Remar, the great James Remar, yeah. plays a character called Max Shady, which is a good 
good Carl Reiner movie name. Uh, I've never seen it, but I was just thinking there has to be a bit in that movie where she takes out the ice pick and then makes an ice sculpture instead of stabbing him, right? Oh, That's like 100% a gag in that movie. Probably. Yeah. I mean, that sounds about right. Um, okay. it's, it's all of 91 minutes long. Yeah. Um, okay, so it's... we're going to do a bonus episode on that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The only thing we have left to do is, is the box play the box office. Yeah. So this movie was a huge hit. Uh, yes, uh, one hundred and seventeen million domestic mm-hmm. on a forty-nine million dollar budget. Pretty expensive movie, yeah, I guess. But he was big at the time. Um, um, but she only got paid like five hundred. Five hundred grand. Yeah. yeah. I hope Crazy. she makes like good residuals on this movie. I wonder definitely. if she does. I think I she definitely she, does. I mean, I don't know what kind of a deal she got, but I, I bet you she made good residuals. Um, March twentieth. What we're gonna do is I'm gonna uh, we're gonna guess the Griffin I, I is just, gonna guess. I want to point out office. one thing before that very quickly. Uh-huh. Whereas, like, Fatal Attraction was a massive cultural hit, but also sure, got like, like nominated for a bunch of, of Oscars right, 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 and right. was viewed as like a legitimate piece of like, yes, you know, high pulp. Right. This was very much written off as like trash. It, for one, it came out in March. Yeah. Uh, it did get an editing nomination and a and score, score nomination. I love Jerry the Goat. Both Jerry very well score. deserved, but also uh, got like a ton of fucking Razzie nominations. And fuck the Razzies. We've it got said it before, three we'll say it Razzie again. nominations, which is weird. Gene Triplehorn, who fucking, are you kidding me? The Razzies suck. Yeah. They're, but like worst new star, worst male lead. They like, suck. Yeah. They get it exactly wrong. Yeah. yeah. Creeps. Exactly wrong. They're just like if a movie has like naked women and it must be trashy or whatever. I don't know. Yes. I don't know what the yeah. problem. Anyway. Yeah. It opens. They hate sexuality. It opens number one, $15 million, which is a very, you know, yeah. good. And then uh, it just like the plays throughout the whole yeah. spring into the summer. All right. Okay. So number two is a uh, comedy, a huge hit I comedy. I guess the box office. This is this segment. Okay. Uh, made $7 million in its sixth weekend. It's a huge. It was number one for the last five weekends. 1992? 1992. Home it's Alone? Like, no, it's like a, it's an SNL comedy. Oh, Wayne's World? Wayne's World. I don't know. There yeah. you go. I mean, there's too much of a clue. Yeah. Number three is the greatest movie ever made. Wayne's World 2? Uh, no, no. It's a comedy, a, a legal comedy. That you love? It's. I think it's arguably the greatest film ever made. Are you made. being sarcastic here? I guess so, but I do love it. You do love it. It's a legal comedy. I mean, who doesn't love it? It's like illegal to not like this movie. Maybe Miriam doesn't like illegal it. Illegal to not like this movie? Ben loves it. Ben's nodding vigorously. It's pretty good. It was an Oscar winner. For? Oh, my cousin Benning. My cousin Benning. <laughs> okay. okay. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, that's just a movie. It's like. No, it is true. They did. You know, they, if I had to watch yeah. that movie every day, I'd be okay. To be right? fair, <laughs> they presented the bill before Congress, but they have not passed the law yet. That sure. It is it's, it's an amendment we're trying to yes, add to. Right. Uh, number four is a movie that I would love to do on this podcast one day. It's a cyber thriller. Wayne's World 2? <laughs> a cyber thriller. The Net? No, earlier. Earlier cyber thriller. Starring uh, a James Bond. Starring a Bond is a is a is a Connery or a Brosnan? Brosnan. It's a Brosnan cyber based thriller. on a novel. Oh, or, Lawnmower Man. Right, but it's like not actually. It doesn't have yeah. anything to do with the novel. No, it has a occupation and a title. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Based on a Stephen. I've King. never seen it. It's wild. Who it's not good. It? I don't even know. Okay. Like nobody. Okay, we'll do it next week. <laughs> and then number five is another female uh, centered film, but a, a nice sort of weepy kind of dramedy uh, ensemble or is yeah. it like a star vehicle can like I guess two stars yes yeah. Steel Magnolias it's a good guess it's oh. in that zone fried green tomatoes uh, I thought it was one of the two <laughs> there we uh, go which okay. was a huge hit 82 million dollars in 1992 yeah. about fucking tomatoes yeah my godmother's favorite movie of all time every time I talk to her she I've goes, never have seen, seen fried green tomatoes <laughs> she's from Corsica uh, Miriam we gotta get you out of here yes 
It was such a pleasure. Thank, Thank you, so you for, for having me. It was a genuine pleasure to have you. Uh, you're one of my favorite uh, film writers. People should look up all your works. We'll post links to uh, the, yeah, the, the, the two the, pieces the, you the pieces sent us. I shouldn't have sent them to you. Or at least <laughs> do, do not want, we'll post the one you want people to read. Okay, great. I mean, this, this will come out in a while, but yes, yes. for sure. Uh, it comes out 2020. Uh, all right. Bye. Get out of here. Yes. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please yes. remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Ange for Gouda for our social media, Lane Montgomery for a theme song. Good question. I don't know. Why is this? Because well, he had a basic instinct that she's a murderer. Yeah. I it's guess. A good call. I don't know. I don't actually know why it's called. It's a good title. This feels it's like a great a, title, instinct. but it does it make, I don't know. What, what yeah. does that mean? It feels like a, an erotic uh, thriller uh, title generator website would come up with basic, basic instinct. instinct. Yeah. All right. Come on. Wrap anyway, it up. Sorry. sorry. Joe Bowen. Yay. Pat Reynolds. Yeah. Artwork. Yeah. Go to blankies.red.com yeah. for some real nerdy shit. Right. And as always. I don't, I don't, I don't. Okay, fine. No, no, we're, no, we're no, 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 no. What? Help what? me here. I don't know. There's so many good lines. You got this. Uh, Ice sculpture, Carl Reiner. Come up with your own, and as always, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You didn't have anything. You have to add that in. This is your job. Add in a fart. Add in a fart. Okay, fine. Great. Thank you.